Welcome to the fourth episode of Offstage Series with Cameron Leach. I'm Josh Hartwell. Uh, this was a really fun one. I know I say that about all of them, but uh, we got in some stuff about, you know, some orchestral, some uh, existential crises, and, uh, you know, just covered the whole, all bases. Uh, we uh, even got into uh, some some basic prep for Cam um, and how I'm going to, I'm going to cheer him on, basically, from the from now until he steps foot on that stage. So uh, anything for the listeners, Cam, before we get into the episode? No, we uh, we just booked our room for PASIC, so we'll see we all did. of you there. We, we, we've committed. If you listen to this episode, you'll hear I was uh, <laughs> I was feeling wishy-washy about my concert, but <laughs> Too late now, now, he's bought in. Yeah, he's <laughs> definitely committed, and so am I after seeing that price. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, saving money. Anyway, the... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we're rooming together. Also, I think that means we're going to be doing some pods. Uh, depends on how much uh, how much we want to be around people. So, we'll uh, drink whiskey and, uh, and talk to each other. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's going to be a good time. It'll be live rudimental podcasts and uh, live offstage series. So, uh, with that being said, here's episode four of the Offstage Series with Cameron Leach. town this past weekend in iowa doing this columbus symphony show and then the cdc order came down of like no no more masks basically you know <laughs> and yeah. it was funny because like you know this symphony is like a lot of older people and even those people were like ready to ready to rock yeah let's go we were yeah. we were all vaxxed you know and everything but it was like done i think <laughs> it took us i think it took a second for people to realize how monumental that announcement was well, and, and like, yeah, and then people are pissed and, this and, that. and like, you know, you're never going to please everybody. But, um, but yeah, like I ended up going out. I mean, I was going to go out anyways. Shoot. I was, we were out on tour and it was, we're vaxxed and we don't, yeah. you know, we're just having a good time. But I ended up going out and then they lifted the mask order. And then like, I was at a college bar, wall to wall people, the bartenders aren't wearing masks. Nobody gave a single shit. It was, I mean, I, I, I actually felt kind of weird about it. Dude, they don't care about anything. They live in Iowa. <laughs> it was Dubuque, you know. It's, it's yeah. I mean, <laughs> when I got there, I was like, I, I get it, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, I went into my first store without a mask on, you know, you and feel, that was weird. Like walking in. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I was walking in, and the ma- and they had immediately put a sign up from the and like the CDC says no more masks as of this date. And I just like took it off and walked in. I was like, let's go. <laughs> Glorious moment, and you just have like trumpet sounding yeah slow-mo i'm getting vaccinated tomorrow so Booty. we're uh i'm about to get some hella good 5g and i'm about to get some <laughs> i shouldn't say that um but no there's a getting vaccinated tomorrow and honestly that that order was part of the reason why i was like oh, i might as well just go ahead and do it because yeah it's not like i wasn't ever going to do it i just kept putting it off so also i wasn't going a ton of places either yeah Oh man! So, anyways, I don't remember the last time we checked in. Well, it was a few weeks Probably, ago. Yeah, I mean, um, I think I was at the very beginning of <clears throat> what was about to be 
like a nightmare period. And it was, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but I uh it was definitely I think it was uh, April 27th we last talked. So okay. It's been, it's been 3 weeks. Yeah. I've had a birthday since then. I'm 26. Oh, happy birthday, man. Thank you. And I am falling apart. So, there's a uh, <laughs> I'm just old as shit. And then uh <laughs> But you've been playing a lot, it seems like, with the symphony. Which symphony is that again? Columbus, Columbus Symphony. Columbus Symphony. Yeah. Are you yeah. like a like Are you like principal, or are you are you just in the so, section? So, I was in, I've been in the section for a few years now as a sub, um, and that I guess they call that an associate musician. And over the years, I've kind of moved up a little bit here and there. They flipped the list around, kind of majorly in October of 2020. And then uh, everybody retired. So I was at the top of the list. Everybody retired. And so I don't have a title or anything, but I'm essentially acting principal for right now. Okay. And uh, that was something I was going to kind of keep on the DL, but there's no reason to. I mean, I feel pretty comfortable with where I'm at with that position. And I've I've done a good job with the orchestra for the last several years. Um, But yeah, it's weird, man. Kind of looking ahead. They announced the season for next year. And just like, oh my god, I'm gonna play all these major excerpts, because <laughs> like they're, you know, the audition's not. There will be an audition eventually. Let's put them to use finally. <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> there there will be an audition eventually, but that's probably not on their radar right now because they have so many other auditions for other sections to go through. Oh, sure, yeah. Violin, viola, like these kinds of things, and uh, and I think, you know, I'm local and reliable and that kind of thing, and I'm gonna be at every show. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to double book myself or anything, even though I could say no to the symphony. I want to be there. Um, I canceled a trip to Austria this summer, you know, to be with the symphony, like to go study with Colin Curry. And financially, it makes more sense to be with the orchestra, show my face. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Yeah, it'll. Yeah. I mean, there's Austria will always be there. Yeah. So it was it was sad because it's like any excuse to go to Europe. I would normally take, but that was yeah. very weird to say no to that. But so yeah, man, I'm I'm playing I'm playing principal for now, and we'll see how everything shakes out <laughs> with that. But yeah, I'm seeing like four C interludes, tambourine, rite of spring, shasty ten on snare, like all these excerpts are flying by next season. I'm like, all right, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> Jeez, dude, you're gonna have to man whip out the old excerpt book. I know I, all those uh. Who wrote those? Or, like, who put them together? Rainer Carroll. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, man, finally putting them to use, like, because I, I don't think I've ever played, like, a symphony gig, like, that required some of those major excerpts. Like, mm-hmm. it's always been, like, pop shows or something like that. So, that's interesting. That's... It's so that, different, man. Yeah, I'm sure it is, because, I mean, it's like... It's like you're in a cover band mm-hmm. and it's like you gotta like it's either but in this case you can't you have no wiggle room uh that's how i've always viewed it like some cover bands you're you play in or who are like 80s like classic rock or like yeah i just you know kind of mm-hmm. play the same part but in this case it's like you know you can have your own interpretation maybe but like there's it's subtle it's not like it's like a major yeah difference you know yeah i mean and i've played i've played some pretty major excerpts with the symphony because the 
the principal who just retired was very like he was trying to teach me, you know, and, and kind of get me involved. And he, he didn't have an egotistical bone in his body. So like he didn't mind. And <clears throat> Shasti 7 would come up, Prokofiev 5, Bolero, and he would just be like, play snare drum, you know. Mm. And and so I got kind of got the feeling. I mean, those are some of the hardest excerpts, I think, in the world, the Shasti and Bolero, for sure, like keeping the orchestra together and that kind of thing. Um, but it taught me a lot about the pressure that you feel in those situations. I get more nervous for that shit than I do for any solo recital or any concerto. I'm shaking. Yeah. My legs shake. <clears throat> uh, I get tunnel vision. It's just horrible. But I think um, what's been funny is like, even when I would play soft triangle on a non-important triangle part and he'd be playing principal and the other guys in the section would be playing more important parts, I would be like nervous just for like small triangle entrances because I always just felt out of my element playing in the orchestra. Yeah. Um, but then the pandemic happened, and I started playing in the orchestra again. And I've been playing principal for a year now because he never, basically nobody came back during COVID before they retired. They were still technically in the orchestra, but they just didn't want to come back. Um, and so then I was playing everything. I was playing Firebird by myself, reduced, like just all sorts of stuff, like just excerpts from it. And... When I would play these soft entrances, I didn't feel anything because, like, I didn't care about music. Yeah. So the pressure wasn't there. You're so like, eff it, dude. Like, I didn't care. So yeah. I was just, like, playing. I I never felt any nerves. I felt a little bit. I just played the organ symphony. I played cymbals, and there's, like, big cymbal moments in that, you know. Um, mm. I think that's really the only thing. And I felt a little bit of, like, jitters because I was like, oh, man, you know, I don't want to pocket this cymbal crash and sound like an asshole. But that's that's when I pocket the most is when I'm thinking I know. about it too much. <laughs> it's like, uh, dude, one of my last cymbal crashes as a grad student was pocketed. And mm -hmm. I was like, I was like, are you kidding me? Like at this this stage, like, like, like <laughs> do I need to like fail a couple classes and redo a year? Like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, that's because I was thinking about it too much. But I think, yeah, I mean, b being able, I mean, that's the the goal with orchestra stuff is to be able to let go of the pressure and the moments that we put on ourselves. It's just like going through life as a young child, you're very free and open-minded and then society puts restrictions on your, on you and things. And then you kind of live the rest of your life trying to emancipate from those restrictions that right. everybody's set on you. I think orchestra is the same way. Like if you would have told me in sixth grade, now, okay, let's be realistic. Ninth grade, the Scheherazade, I could have played that in my sleep and I wouldn't have given a crap about it mm -hmm. and then someone told me this is a big moment when i was in college and it's like uh-oh and now i would be flipped out about it so i'm like trying to unlearn that and i think covid did me a lot of good realizing how um silly what we do is and yeah. why there'd be no reason to be nervous about that you know do you, do you ever go into anything because sometimes my most successful performances have been when I go into it from the beginning and go, fuck these nerds. Like, I'm just like sitting there. Dude. I, and like, it's and you're one of like, the nerds. Yeah. That's I'm the one, best part. I'm one of the nerds. And I'm like, fuck them, dude. They suck. Like, they're nerds. And they're socially weird. And like, it's like, wait a minute. Wait a second. I just, I just told the McDonald's worker, you're welcome. Like, like she was, <laughs> something like that, you know? So I told somebody I love you when I got off the phone. Yeah. <laughs> you I, know? I love you. And love you, bye. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go play a symphony gig now. And so it's, uh, but I feel like some of my most, I think that becomes like a breeding a, um, a I don't care attitude, which is 
fine. I think if you put the work in, mm-hmm. um, that's if preparedness leads to like kind of that, like that freedom. But those big moments, man, they're they're um, unmatched. They're mm-hmm. completely you can't replicate that. I don't think even like I think Jacob Nisley. I went to a clinic of his once, and he's mm-hmm. like, "What I would do is I would uh, I don't know. If this is stepping out of like." telling his whole clinic idea but like he was like i would i would get up at 7 a.m drive to a practice room with a friend in pajamas no coffee nothing and just go and my friend would call out random excerpts and i would play Mm -hmm. them for him at that because he wanted to kind of um go across and and play through any circumstance like if he was yeah sick or tired or um not prepared, didn't have a chance to warm up, something like that. I think it was just like mm-hmm. cold, wake up and go play kind of thing, which was super interesting. Why he's one of the best in the business, obviously, because he's kind of like found these hacks that mm-hmm. um, that work for him. But that's such a different ball game. Like I think people who don't have a uh, an excerpt centric upbringing and educational path don't really fully understand it. I mean, I didn't. I didn't have a fully focused excerpt yeah. path. You know. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, this is something that I've been. Well, okay, there's a couple things in there that I want to hit on. I mean, number one is you're talking about like t- the two things I think about with stage anxiety or, w- or whatever you would call it. Um, is pr- yeah, preparedness and comfort. And preparedness you have full control over, but comfort you don't really. And and I think the way that I have gotten comfortable playing, let's say recitals, is just playing a lot of recitals. You know, and yeah. then excerpts is maybe a lot of mock auditions and situations like you're talking about but it's still not the same and it never will be you just have to do it in an orchestra mm-hmm. um but i feel like the fa- like again like i was saying my fast track to comfort has been covid because it made me just not care yeah. but now it's like i'm starting to care again in a good way but the pressure itself has been left behind so it's this weird way of like everybody's gonna have to find comfort and that's the one that's the hardest to find to, to get away from fear and to get into comfort that's the one that's that's hardest to find, but you were saying that, you know, maybe excerpt centric people know that best. See, this is the thing. I don't know about that because I've never been an excerpt person. I've played my required ones. I've done a good job with them to the level that I needed to. And I have an understanding of it, but it's fundamentally not like that in the orchestra, like not even a little bit. Yeah. Um, And I just hate this idea that like, I'm trying to get myself out of thinking it too, that someone who's like excerpt centric is, is automatically more qualified than me, you know? Cause that's what I always used to think. Like someone would come in and play, like for instance, um, a guy from CIM came and played on this gig with me and he's like on the sub list. He comes and plays, he goes to CIM, he starts with Mark Damalakis and I'm any other day before COVID, I would have been like nervous and scared. In this case, this, you're like, fuck this nerd. That this guy's like judging me, you know? Yeah. And he's a super nice guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's nothing against him. It's my own personal insecurities that would have made me feel that way. But then he showed up here and I'm like, you know what? I've played with the orchestra for four years and I know how I sound, you know? And I, I, I know how the orchestra plays and everything like that. And there is no reason. So it was the first time where I wasn't like judging myself against the person next to me. Yeah, it's really cool, but I just don't think that being an excerpt person is the end all be all. I, I'd rather someone not be and be a better musician 
and have the capacity to just learn the excerpts along the way? Because that's. Um, I think that's the route I kind of took because I didn't really understand the hype around it. And look, I would love to get somebody on here, maybe with but the both of us, and so we can talk about that path and its benefits. But I mean, I uh, and some people don't. I don't know. I don't. I've never met. I've only met probably two high school kids that are like, I just want to go study excerpts. You know what I mean? I think the majority of us get into so this. So weird. I'm, yeah, I mean, like, I think the majority of us get into this either through playing drum set as a kid or, like, marching arts or whatever. Um, I'm not really convinced that, like, somebody goes in, unless they have, like, an orchestral family, they go in and they're like, I just, I really want to play Scheherazade right now. Like, I, I'm, I really want to play Vibrant Suite. I really want to play uh, the Magic Flute right now. And so... Um, I want to know when it shifts for people because it it's never been like an appeal to me. I'm I'm not even sure like it's a full on appeal to some people, but there's like such a competitive aspect to it mm-hmm. that like I think it was Rob Knopper who said he would like put in four to six hours on excerpts a day, right? Um, which is a lot. I mean, because there's a lot of excerpts, but you know the benefits of it are like you're paying paying close attention to detail and your sound working on accurate you're you're going to be really accurate um or at least try to achieve that accuracy that's uh required but at the end of the day like i i still want to play other stuff like too yeah you know i've, I've never like i said i've never had that pull to be like i think i'm just going to put in like eight hours of excerpts today yeah just never had. excerpts are just a means to an end at this point to, to win an audition everybody around the country accepts the fact that the audition system is horribly stupid i think by and large like the I way agree. that we do it <clears throat> i mean because yeah if you can play an excerpt super well very musically in time not miss a note that doesn't mean a damn thing when you get on the job the minute you get with the orchestra and things are falling apart from the left to the right side of the group and the conductors in one tempo trying to bring it together and then it's your responsibility to be the glue you're not going to be playing that excerpt the way that you would play it any other time yeah. And like the beginning of Porgy and Bess is never together with the orchestra. <laughs> I mean, that's chaotic. You know what I mean? And like yeah. playing, yeah, Bolero, Shasti 7, those things. Like you have to adjust what you're doing sometimes. You can't just play. And this is the problem. Like you've, you hear a lot of a lot of orchestras I play in or I sub in or I have over the years. You get players that come in that are inflexible and they're just playing like they would play in an audition. And everybody around them gets pissed. You can just feel the tension in the room, you know, whether it's a clarinetist, an oboist, and it's just insensitive music making. And that's what I think excerpts breed, which is why if if someone tells me, like, I really want to play, I want to win an orchestra job is maybe different than I want to play excerpts. Like, if I, if yeah. like I want to play excerpts, that's like almost, yeah, it's so competitive. It's almost like you just want to march DCI the rest of your life, but then eventually you age out or eventually say, you win a job. And when you win a job... Yeah that competitiveness goes away and then you're going to be unhappy because your whole musical career was predicated on winning the job, you know? That, that I was about to say that I think marching uh, truthers and orchestral excerpt and try to win an orchestral job, truthers are the same kinds of people. Uh-huh. Um, I just don't understand why people don't realize that your road ends performing in the marching arts at 22. Like, that yeah. is so young and then they try to go in tech and a lot of them a lot of people can't teach 
and that's a hard right. pill pill for people to swallow. Um, and they, you know, they find out the hard way and stuff like that. And it's weird, but, um, I mean, like for somebody who I was very lucky to go through, a, a programs, mo- two programs that promoted versatility. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, if I were in a program that didn't promote versatility, I don't think I would be having as much fun because I just like to play drums. It doesn't really yeah. matter what it is. If I got called, if I got called for an orchestral gig tomorrow, I'd love to take it. If I got called for a hand drumming gig the next day, I'd love to take it. Pop percussion, mm-hmm. drum set, whatever it is. And that's because I just want to play. Uh, I don't really understand why there are some people that really hold on to that marching thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I think I only know maybe two people who make money playing marching snare drum. Right. You know? And by that, I mean, like, it's not like their full time thing. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's a really touchy subject because the marching community is so influential and it's so big. Uh, com- well, big in terms of communities within percussion. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I marched drum corps, you marched drum corps. Yeah. I mean, it was cool. I didn't really feel, I don't, I didn't really get bitten by the bug. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. I don't know if you did or not, but. I knew there was no road forward with it, you know? So I, I, I had been offered a tech at like Phantom and like, I'd been offered to do things that in normal life would have been, or not normal life, but in like my dream world would have been like, heck yeah, let's go do it. And then you realize yeah, I mean, they're not going to pay you anything, really. I mean, they're going to pay you enough to just get through the summer. Right. Um, and it just, none of it made a lot of sense to me. And at that time, I already knew that I wanted, in my mind, I had bigger things that I wanted to do than that. Not that those aren't big. I mean, those are dreams for some people, especially people who don't go in to be music majors. Like, mm-hmm. that's a different story. It, right. it almost becomes like your hobby, which is great. But yeah, the, the people who are actual you know, music majors trying to make a living in that field, it, it doesn't seem as, yeah, there are very few people who are going to become caption heads and make real money doing this. And my buddy Sean Clark is room. one of them. Yeah, I mean, you know? I don't think there's enough room. I, no, I there, don't. there can't there's, be. You, there, no, there can't be at all, unless you're trying to, there's a bunch of people trying to start indoor groups and, I mean, obviously it's way harder to start a drum corps, but um, yeah, I, I think forging your own path that way would, is fine but like i mean it, it's just tough the way they have to operate too as nonprofits and how the money works and everything from what i've seen i've never tried to start a group but um and teaching teaching indoor is one thing too i mean teaching indoor mm-hmm. there's a lot of benefits to it um but like i said i mean i just don't think there's enough room i mean i don't i don't see anybody I mean, you think about the big names in marching. You think about Paul Rennick, Sandy Rennick, John Mapes, Ian Grom, Mike Jackson, um, mm-hmm. and you know people like that who are gonna be around for a long time and are yeah. gonna influence a lot of people for a long time. So, I just there's not there's not enough room. I, I wish there was. I mean, it is yeah. cool activity when it's done the right way. I think. Yeah. And and back to the, like, we were kind of comparing this to the orchestra thing, too. I mean, you know, the orchestra stuff, I think everybody can kind of agree that the best musicians in the orchestra are the people that don't just play excerpts. You know what right. I mean? Like, when you think about 
like my buddy Pedro, um, who plays in Indianapolis, like he can do everything, but he can also play excerpts and he can make the finals of auditions for top five orchestras in the country. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, no one's like, I mean, I don't know what Mark Damalakis does. Mark Damalakis is just a freak of nature. <laughs> you know, I only know him from excerpts, but I'm sure like he can play snare drum, like solo stuff. He can do a lot of other stuff. Tom Sherwood. Yeah. So, but I think like a lot of the one hit wonder type players aren't the people that we, we know and idolize in the orchestral world, but we're all still teaching to the test of the audition. It's just, I don't There's know. There's a lot of traditionalism. I think we've talked about traditionalism before. Um, mm-hmm. I'm speaking from a person who's never really done a real audition. Um, and real, I mean by like, you know, like a full-time orchestral mm-hmm. position. Um, but when is that going to be... Maybe there's not a need to change it. I don't. I don't really know. Um, but like, for instance, like, what what would you say is outdated with that process? The whole. Well, I don't know thing? that it was. I don't know that it was ever dated. Like, I don't even know that. I don't know that it was ever actually appropriate. I right. mean, there's the problem is there's not a there's not like a better way necessarily to to judge a lot of it. Um, because you could have you could have someone come in and play some solo rep and that might be a little different than what they would try to do in the orchestra. If you have people just playing the same excerpts over and over though, what like test tube music making, that seems silly because yeah, those are the parts that you play in the orchestra, but it's not how you play them. And yeah, the sight reading aspect too. The sight reading aspect from what I I've heard, there's like a formal sight reading aspect. There's like like, it depends where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Are you ever going to have to sight read? So, a... Sometimes. I mean, like sometimes music won't come in until like for certain pop shows, the, the arrangers or the, the guest conductors bring in their own stuff or an act is bringing their own arrangements and they're not done until they get there. That definitely happens. Okay. And you're, you're pretty screwed at that point. And sometimes like the Glock books will be hard for those types of shows. And, and so I think like, um, the auditions that'll make you sight read on Glock or xylophone, like that's pretty realistic. Okay. Um, it just depends. And then some, I mean, sometimes people don't practice before they come in. So they're sight reading, but they didn't need to be. A lot yeah. of the strings are doing that. I mean, on these pop shows, they wouldn't practice that stuff anyways because most of them think it's beneath them, to be honest right. with you. But <laughs> high society. Um, or like sight reading. Um, I think in Columbus, there was a sub audition they did couple years ago and i think i don't know if they ever actually did it because i didn't take the audition that's a whole other thing but uh i was the principal told me that he was thinking about having chime sight reading because like that's super realistic playing chime sucks you know (laughs) it's the most inconvenient position especially of a person of my stature who is five foot seven on a good day so i feel you so i think that would be kind of funny but I don't know that there's a better way to do it, and I do and I don't believe in the screen to some degree. Part of me, so what's interesting about that is like, I've always thought, yeah, the best person should get the job no matter what. So you should have a screen up the entire time. And then obviously there's like um, arguments being made now in terms of diversity that the screen should not be up 
in, you know, absolutely, absolutely not up in the finals, but even like maybe in earlier rounds, maybe the screen doesn't need to be up because maybe we need to be like, you know, taking race into account as we go through it. So then there's this, this is coming up. There was some New York Times article, I believe that months ago that kind of came out and people were debating it. But then like, I think we can all agree. We, we by and large want the best person to win the job. Part of me thinks like, well, shit. I've, I've, I never had this perspective until now because I've been playing with the orchestra for four years. Like, well, what do my four years mean when I get to the audition? Mm. Right? Like, if they start, if they hold an audition for principal in Columbus, what do my four years that I've put in, my service to the group, and now I'm acting principal without the title, and I'm taking care of part assignments and gear and inventory and all that, and it's like, what does that mean? Does that count for anything, or should it just be the best person gets the job? Because now it's selfishly, in my head, I'm like, man, I really want that to count for something, you know? Right, Whereas yeah. before I ever played there, I was like, yeah, best person gets the job. So I see everybody's point of view with this now, and I'm like, oh, this is a hairy situation. <laughs> very, very hairy. Yeah. Because, like, I mean, I think in any other any other facet, that would mean something, right? Like, no question. Right. And um, it's kind of like when in sports, when like a head coach gets fired and his assistant doesn't get moved up. (laughs) Exactly. Who's been there for just as long as he has. I know. Wait, what? (laughs) So uh, they're like, no, no, no. We got this Hall of Fame coach. And they're like, all right. Mm -hmm. You know, so I guess it just depends on the organization, their decision making. But yeah. I mean, it's not yeah, a full-time orchestra, right? No, not necessarily. I mean, <clears throat> people like do 20- like relocate to be in it, though, if they make it. Yeah, they would. Mm-hmm. I mean, salary is probably around like I don't know, forty to fifty. Okay. Um, so yeah, it would be enough to relocate. It, it's one of those things where they had their weeks cut like ten years ago, like cut in half, but the pace the the per service paid didn't decrease like they kept a high per service rate but for less services so like the money you make when you play is really good and if you are a full-time member of the orchestra you have a lot of weeks off that you could go do other things so for me it's almost like man this would be a dream job to like win the win the audition or if if they held a principal audition and then they didn't if they just use subs below the principal which in a lot of these smaller orchestras they'll do that they won't have like a second percussionist also contracted. Right. Um, and if I maintain my position there, you know, you're still playing on any concert that needs two percussion. And that's most concerts that need percussion. So right. even that would be fine with me. But yeah, having health insurance would be nice when when the time, when and if the time does come that they hold this audition. Um, it's my five-day anniversary of not having health insurance. So Oh, really? Yeah, feels great. I, know, I haven't had, I haven't had mine since uh since january yeah because my i was on my dad's health insurance for a long time and he his work was one of those it's not when you turn 26 it's the rest of the year that you're 26 so it was like last july i turned 26 and then i had it until january 1 okay so now i haven't had it for a long time and i'm having some some issues and like i need to get some health insurance bro dude i (laughs) I'm like afraid to like go on a run, you know, I'm like, <laughs> is a broken ankle worth this? I no. know. No, it's not. I know. It's, uh, I don't know. It's strange. I mean, 
my girlfriend says that uh, that it's that I'm in my late twenties. I'm saying I'm I'm mid twenties still. I think twenty four to twenty six is mid twenties. Yeah, I, I think, think twenty seven so. to thirty, or twenty seven twenty nine, mm-hmm. is late twenties. I think we're all in agreement here. She just wants to make me feel old. So okay. <laughs> I mean, like, and, you're not but old. He, it's here's the thing, I uh, I got sick the night of my birthday, so I was like, this is this is like exactly how it should be written, right? Like, I don't have health insurance anymore, so is, I might as well just get sick, right? I mean, <laughs> let's just test the waters a little bit. Thank God it wasn't COVID. I haven't gotten COVID yet. Um, yeah. And, and I was like, all right, well, if I wake up and I can't taste or smell anything, that's it. And so. Uh, thankfully, it wasn't it. It was just what they call good old hay fever, um, that I had back in January as well. But like, man, he got. I was like, is this what it's gonna be like? I started getting all paranoid and everything like that. So I'm like, now I'm looking for a job, and it's like you know, mostly for those those health benefits. So I know um, it's it's weird, man. It'd be rough. It's a weird. Yeah, like I think perspective and and your responsibility changes too. Like I would have never considered. Yeah, I mean, I want a full time gig. I'm still not going to take a bullshit job that I don't want. But like the idea again of like a symphony job where I'm only there half the time, half the weeks, is so appealing to me. Even though the audition define bullshit job. Well, for me, a bullshit job is going to be different than anybody else. Like. I don't just mean like I I would never say that in in reference to like fast food workers or like retail or things that other people might refer to as that. In fact, I think I'd be happier doing those things than I would be teaching at a university. Um, for Have me, you ever it, consider teaching like high school or middle school. Yeah, for sure. I, I would I would hate that. I mean, yeah. I like doing it. I lo- I used to like teching. I did a music ed degree. I'm I, I say this objectively. Like I think I'm great with kids. You know but it's just something that's not rewarding for me as much. Announcing Cameron Leach's kids percussion camp. I know, right? I'm just kidding. I love working with kids on like a temporary basis, but if I had to come into the same classroom every day, I would just... So yeah, my idea of a bullshit job, for me, it it would be considered bullshit because I gave up. And me giving up would be taking a band director job at a middle school or high school because that's what I've been fighting myself away from mm. for a very long time. And and now that I've taught college a couple different times, I've realized I don't want to do that either. And I'm pretty confident that I could go get a college job depending on where it is. I'm not saying I could win Michael Burrich's job at Eastman. No. But I think I could go pretty handily get a job if I wanted. And I was looking and committed to that. But I'm just not. And I don't want to have to do that. Or I have like local universities in Ohio that ask me to come do adjunct work. And I just say no, because I don't, I don't want to give up and do that. And the adjunct work (laughs) doesn't have the health benefits anyways. You know what I mean? I think it's different because like, so like, uh, there's this, there's these paraprofessional jobs in Texas Mm -hmm. that are like not as much time as you would be completely full-time certified pay you get pay plus lessons but then like for somebody like me who doesn't own a marimba or a vibraphone or anything like that it's also access to those instruments i think it's i think it's different because like i don't want to give up either but there's also like a a sense of necessity 
Like, how am I supposed yeah. to do, you know, there's a, it's not paranoia quite yet, but the pandemic did shift a lot of people's mindsets, I think. I mean, it shifted no, yours, right? It's, it's, so it's not giving up for you. I mean, this is the thing. What I'm saying is everybody defines bullshit in their own terms. So I'm not right. saying having a college job or a high school percussion director job is ob- objectively a bullshit job. For me, subjectively, it is because it means that I've given up and that's what I'm trying to do now. Right, Some people, yeah. that's their dream job, you know? Man, and yeah. their bullshit job would be playing recitals or something. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm, So I don't want anybody to think I'm ragging on certain professions. I'm no, not. It's not. just I, me I, mentally I, in my head. But you're saying, what you're saying is it's, I mean, flat out, it's driven by fear. It's the fear of not having access to instruments. It's the fear of not having health insurance. The fear of not having a steady salary. Everything is fear-driven, um, which hardens you. A little bit and, and is good but also at the same time i realize that when things are taken care of like this summer i know where my money's coming from i know how much i'm making from the orchestra all the dates are in my phone and i'm not worried about the summer and it, it's the most fucked up feeling i've ever had in my life what what the sense of calm <laughs> yeah well the sense of not needing to hustle like i'm gonna yeah. hustle because i want to not because i have to and some people think that's a little comfortable for me in my case having hustled out of necessity for so many years, I'm finally going like I can be calculated now. Yeah, you know I can yeah. I can like take take time and be patient. Um, That's a relaxing mindset, I think. It's like yeah, a, like a more planned, structural approach, as opposed to just like yes, 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 yes. You know what I mean? And clogging up the calendar. Um, and I think you need to feel. I think you need to feel all of the way. You need to like do necessity and then you need to do it both ways you you can't just have it one way you know but you can't stay in like gary v hustle mode all the time and for gary v it's not gary v hustle mode he's financially taken care of and he knows it yeah it's different you know he even though he does work hard yeah i mean like but the the work is different for him now like there was i'm sure there was Mm -hmm. like you talk about like I reference athletes a lot, but you know, like there's a different mindset when it comes to playing in college, trying to get to a professional league to getting to the professional league. I mean, yeah. some people, some people are the most talented people who get there, who get to that level, get that first paycheck. And they're like, I'm set, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, and I think the mindset changes. Same thing. What people say about Conor McGregor. Now Conor McGregor mm-hmm. makes a couple hundred million. Doesn't fight as hard. Doesn't train as hard. Mm-hmm. That's just me reading twitter but yeah it's an example right of like comfort leads to a little bit more relaxation and it leads to a, a little bit less grit because you don't have to grind as much um, yeah i think it depends i mean because i'm looking at it going the great what, what i'm appreciating about my position is that i don't know when the symphony run for me is going to end so on any given day based on the collective bargaining agreement, you know, they could rearrange the list. They could yank me off it, you know, like they could do whatever they want to my position. In the fall, they could appoint somebody to a one-year contract, some random person fly them in. I mean, they could do all sorts of things. And I'm just like hoping that they don't. Right. But I know for the summer that I'm set. So what's beautiful about it is like, I have like a set amount of time that I look ahead and go, I'll be comfortable for those three months. And then after that, it's the wild west again. So there's like, I'm it's, I'm li- living in both of those worlds simultaneously i'm fearful but i'm also comfortable in in the immediate future yeah so i kind of like that but yeah i mean the other thing though is 
yeah, Conor McGregor, these are all going to be case by case. But, for instance, Conor McGregor may not fight as hard anymore. But what do you think about his overall level of happiness? Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Because if you watch it, his it, documentary, I mean, like, comparative, it, comparatively, I'm sure it's different. It could be really high. It could be that, like, it could be that money's tearing him apart. I don't know his inner workings. But I'm sure now that he's taken care of and comfortable, he's having the time of his life, probably. Yep. And so, like, yeah, maybe he doesn't want to go in there. He loves fighting, but maybe he's going to realize, like, maybe I shouldn't go get my brains bashed in. Maybe I should enjoy right. my life. Right. Raise his son with a full-functioning brain, so. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, I yeah, know. I mean, different circumstances for everybody. I think it's very easy to give out general and objective kind of statements about what happiness is. But yeah, um, at the end of the day, and I've been very open about this with people that are close to me, it's like... um this stretch of time where things have been, I've been for lack of a better term, getting shit on. Um, there is a, a strange kind of like dwindling mindset of like hustle when it comes to like, why put in all this work for, for it to just fall apart, which is, you know, a mindset that doesn't exactly breed success. But um, right. when it comes to, I guess playing in general, right? Not having an access to my own space, not exactly trying to make it work because of I'm like, well, this is pointless kind of thing. That leads to kind of a it all comes crashing down and you wake up one day and you're like I think I needed that because you you kind of reset after a while and you kind of go back to some things that made you love playing in the first place. Mm-hmm. And um, you look, you look at yourself and I'm only 26. Like there, there's a plenty of time left, you know what I mean? And so I think, I think I missed the grind. I've said that before on this podcast, I miss the grind a lot and I do better when I have more, more things up in the air. Um, but you know, I think this gave me a chance to get back to the roots of why I started playing. I mean, you, and you know, not to sound like a broken record, but you know, seven years of college and seven years of a long, long days and everything like that really teaches you and shows you what, how you're able to be more productive with more things up in the air, more, more balls to juggle. So, um, it's been a good, I think it's been a good reset. I I think, I think for me, I'm, my summer is the opposite, just being completely open. My summer is completely opposite. I don't really have a ton going on in the summer. Because, you know, my current job situation kind of fell apart based on administrative choices. And so it's like now I'm in hustle mode again because mm-hmm. I went from having financially a decent amount coming in per week to I'm going to have, you know, hopefully I get some gigs, you know, called in. So mm-hmm. uh, I think I was in the whole like I don't have to worry about money for a while aspect to now it's I think we're completely opposite positions where now I think I'm gonna have to put my nose down and grind so mm-hmm. it's uh but that's what people don't realize it's different for everyone like social media shows you everybody playing gigs or like posting videos and then playing whatever mm-hmm. but you don't know if that could be banked that could be from an old old practice session that could be yeah you know the first gig they got and eight weeks or something like that. So it's uh, mm-hmm. been really trying to stay off the phone. I know we've talked about 
lack of social media activity, but mm-hmm. um, having those essential kind of times, like productive times and then getting off of it, having the timer on, uh, on the app to say like, okay, let's get off Instagram for the, for the rest of the day. And you've already mm-hmm. did what you need to do on there. Let's get off for the rest of the day. So um, it's grind time, but at, at this time around, especially with everything opening back up, getting vaccinated and everything like that, looking forward to it, which is, I think, a good sign. You know? Yeah. The work's going to be coming back in droves, man. I really do believe that. Like, yeah. the more that I'm seeing how things are kind of shaping up, like, yeah, the amount of work is going to be pretty outstanding, I think. I, re- I think people are itching to get out i mean it's it's getting crazy out there and you're in texas and it's already been kind of crazy i think but just when i'm seeing it what i'm seeing in ohio what i just saw in iowa was like people are ready to go yeah (laughs) they are itching man but and the people who don't are going to be left behind i mean they'll be stuck in their homes by choice and Uh and which i'm seeing a lot of that you know like people are still not convinced i'm like dude the cdc said it i mean like let's all Let's all try to keep moving forward. And and so it's, I think it will come back in droves. I think it will, I think eventually things will turn around for everybody who's in my position. And I just want people to know that you're not alone, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not sitting here trying to be, you know, Gary Vee or somebody like that who are very motivational, David Goggins, but like it, it's going to turn around. I mean, I've had my, I, I'm just tired of feeling like it's not going anywhere. I'm, it's sickening. It's frustrating and it's exhausting, you know? So whoever's listening to this, who needs to hear that, I think, I think it's going to be all good. Not, not to make this a motivational podcast, but it's, it's time. I think I'm exhausted and I think everybody else is too. And then it's somebody, it's, it's so kind of, I guess, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe it's useful to to experience this because this isn't going to be the last time that something like this happens, right? Especially mm-hmm. in people in our position. Um, and I think it's going to prepare you for the next time it happens. Because who knows what's going to I mean, nobody expected a pandemic to happen. Nobody even knew what pandemic meant for a while. And so it's, uh, yeah, bottom line is I think it's going to turn around like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, man. Oh, gosh. A lot there. But at the end of the day, there is a... I just got an email about PASIC that's going to be happening. So Mm -hmm. there... I think it was like... I forget what it said. But yeah, they're doing four-day in-person badges. So maybe PASIC is going to be a lot of fun this year. I know. I mean, it's so funny because I've been going through really, really big... So, so I have like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm, if I have depress like clinical depression or not. I've never gone to the doctor to, to talk about like those kinds of things. Right. But like, you know, the pandemic exposed kind of the different um, ways that it can manifest and the different swings that it can have. Like, I think for a long, for the beginning of the pandemic, I was kind of swinging back and forth between like really hyper motivated and really depressed. And then I went through like a very long period of just horrible like I never came back up for for air, you know, for for months, and like got pretty suicidal feeling, and like just a lot of a lot of stuff going on there, and then I kind of came out of it and had a really high high, 
and then I started swinging again. And I and so I'm I'm kind of swinging back and forth now, but I'm sort of on the horizon. I think of feeling really really good consistently because yeah. work's coming back and stuff like that. Um, but like a couple weeks ago, man, I was like, well, it didn't help that I was having a little whiskey. But I was uh, I was Did you in my here text the other day, by the way. Dude, yeah, I'm sorry because I was in Iowa. I apologize. Yeah, but you're proud yeah, of it, right? Sagamore rye. People love that stuff, man. Dude. I haven't had any of it. So a friend bought it for me for my birthday. So oh, that's like, a great gift. I texted Cam. I was like, "How'd I do?" And he was that's a great response. That's a good so I guess gift. I did that. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It was a it was a crazy trip, but yeah. Um, yeah. So, anyways, I like a couple weeks ago almost canceled my Pesic concert. <laughs> I got so dark, man, and I was yeah. like. I was like, why am I doing this? I was ready to I was ready to just hundred percent say I am done playing shows. And I'm just gonna go do something else. Because our you know? well, it's funny because our last episode we talked, we talked about how you're gonna prepare for that. So I guess I know maybe the week after that you were Yeah feeling like Yeah, because it was just can it. And it was like during a really low point too of like just being so bogged down with work. Which is, I'm just trying to get to a point where I never let myself, I never let myself physically or mental, you can't help it mentally a little bit, but I don't let myself physically suffer from the amount of work I have, like, where I, I literally can't sleep, I have to eat like shit because I'm on the on the go, like, I'm going to start avoiding those moments altogether. And if someone wants to put me in that position, the only way I'll say yes is if you give me a lot of money. <laughs> well, and I don't feel the- bad about that anymore. I used to feel like, you know... Mon- man, money talks yeah money talks you know and so when it comes to fees and stuff like that i just i've decided i'm going to start respecting myself a lot more in the in the industry and just with everything else um but yeah i was like ready to cancel my PASIC show and and then i started getting really motivated about the PASIC stuff like a week ago or so i was like this what is- changed i don't know i think i saw the emails come out and i was like oh shit this is real man you know, and then I got I got my contract in my email from PASIC, like whatever my artist agreement, which I need to I haven't opened it yet, but I've been waiting to open it to kind of see what it's all about and stuff. But it became very real to me that this could be a really cool thing. And and then also I just prepared Nick Worth's piece and recorded it. And it got me playing again since the concerto that I did, and I was like, Okay, yeah, this what is What piece tight. is that? It's called Originating Within. I we commissioned it me and a bunch of people commissioned it at the beginning of the pandemic. So like in April, we started work on it. I think he got it to us like September or October of 2020. And I've been sitting on it. And then a lot of people used it. A couple of people did their master's recitals in the spring, this spring, and they used that piece, you know, and I couldn't let them call that the official premiere, unfortunately, but I, I'm going to be doing that premiere in a couple of weeks here on a virtual series It'll be sort of like the official virtual premiere, but I'm gonna play it at Pasic. You know, it's a badass piece, man. It's yeah, broken five-lit grooves where you're playing like I have a marimba mallet here, and I'm playing low marimba bass notes. I have a Glock mallet on the inside where I'm playing Glock melody, and then I've got a kick drum, and then I'm playing vibe notes in my left hand vibe chords. So I'm like all over the place, and I've got a snare drum with a splash symbol to like in front of me. It's like, and you're meanwhile like handling bass melody and filler material. Dude, that's super dope. It's sick. He he wrote um he wrote this piece called Boom Bap. Boom Bap, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> heard that one, and then I've heard. Uh, well, I saw him play with his, uh, with uh, Ghost Note. Yes. Uh, back in 2015, when he was playing as Galaxy, and I'm sure he still does, but mm-hmm. he played this dope Mallet Cat thing. Um, check, 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 check it yeah, out. Yeah, that one's that was super dope, and it was so refreshing <laughs> too because like, not everything had to be like percussion orchestra concert uh-huh. and stuff like that. Ghost Note was like the perfect act for that. Yeah, it was so so sick. That's super dope. Dude. I can't wait to hear it. I'm, yeah, I'm really yeah, stoked that, to hear it. Yeah, that was part of the stress was trying to get that recorded, and then the presenter moved the date on me. And uh, I had, like, stayed up for, like, two nights to, like, get this shit done. Mm-hmm. And I woke up to a message after I tried to confirm the date. And it was like, oh, we're po- – oh, that was just a suggested date. It was like – So I was you like, stressed about it for no reason. What? Yeah. Because then I had – I got on a – I woke up the morning I flew to Iowa. I woke up at 6 in the morning and went downstairs and shot the music video to it. And then I ran out the door and got on a plane. I was like – and then I got off the plane, and it was like, we're not doing it this week. And I was like, what is happening? Were you, re- <laughs> were you relieved, or were you... Were you? No, because I wanted... Look, I was ready to be balls-to-the-wall, crazy stressed in Iowa. And while I was like on my... I had like eight or ten hours of free time total on the trip. I was ready to sit down and cut this video and cut this audio. And then it's like, now I got to do it. I'm home, and I, I wanted to not be worried about this anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I mean it's gonna be fine, but I think it'll be cool for people to hear hear the piece. And yeah, for me it just got me motivated again, like oh yeah, I do this. <laughs> you need a you need sometimes we just need a fat groove to I know. get us back into it. It was a perfect piece. It wasn't like if it would have been a heady piece of music, I would have been like that doesn't I hate help. my career. <laughs> doesn't help. Never does. So like, by the way, we want you to uh, play velocities backwards. And, okay, sure. Just like, I, dude, so I, I watched like some Instagram story a couple weeks ago when I was like, when I was, I think it was the night that I was going to bail on my pace at concert. <laughs> and I was like watching this dude that I went to school with who shall remain unnamed. Great player, you know, too, super into the contemporary thing. <laughs> I, and I love shitting on contemporary music because I love playing it. It's just <laughs> yeah. equally fun for me. Yeah. And so he was like in a room that was dead, you know, like no resonance, small little room with his marimba. And he was playing like little like hum, hummy roll, you know, like on the crowns of his mouth and like. Yeah. And I was and in that room, it sounded horrible because like when you get in a concert hall, that stuff actually sounds like something. Yeah. You but, know, but in a room yeah. like that. It's nothing. And I was like, is this what I do? <laughs> I had this existential moment. And then I went down a dark rabbit hole for about an hour. And then, like, I opened my email and I was like, I'm going to cancel my pace of concert. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, this is dumb as shit. I know. I like, yeah. oh. oh, my God, dude. You're like, you're like one of the last. <laughs> you're like me at one of the last master classes that i saw at unlv this guy came in who also shall rename rename remain <laughs> nameless uh he came in and sight read a new contemporary marimba piece okay that was just as atonal as random <laughs> as you could and i'm like there's no way there's no way you're sight reading this there's no you're just playing <laughs> and at that point i was like 
is this where Maruba playing's going? You know, like it's so. Uh, so you just literally you lo- you watch that and you're like that that's it that's it throwing in the towel, yeah. selling the board. Because <laughs> I've been thinking, yeah, I, I mean seriously, I was thinking about like already I was in that mindset, that negative mindset. But then yeah, this one thing set me off so much because yeah i because I, I haven't been on social i haven't been posting what i'm doing and I'm, i've kind of vowed in my head now to not play music that i just don't want to play like plain and it's simple which fun, is 95 percent of like marimba music i'm like At i just point. i just want to do it so i'd rather play like groovy backbeat sweet shit with electronics on stage than than this crazy marimba stuff even though i mean god i love the crazy marimba stuff i have a great appreci- appreciation for it and I like to do it on occasion but it's not my bread and butter um yeah speaking of bread know. and butter we'll go watch our video of bread and butter by Andy Smith Southern Percussion Group sorry shameless sorry it was very no, shameless that's good that's a good plug thank you <laughs> yeah it's so my I don't editing know. debut <laughs> I'm glad I didn't cancel my basic show I think I think I'm glad we'll find out I'm 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 a little less than thrilled. Like there's some people I really want to see at PASIC and there are others that like now I'm just like, I don't even want to be around a lot of these people. So, I, well, I mean, we'll see. the pandemic made me less social than I already was. So that's uh-huh. not good. Uh, I do enjoy PASIC. I really do. I wish it was a little bit bigger. I wish there was a, uh, I could do a whole pod on what my issues are with PASIC, but um, the 2015 San Antonio one was so dope. It was perfect. Perfect size, perfect expo floor, clinics, everything. Um, having it in Indy is, I understand the logistical aspect of having vendors and and manufacturers be able to drive there instead of driving all the way from the northeast down to South Texas. But mm-hmm. um, there, I, I do enjoy it. I think it's a it's a nice escape for a few days where you can just solely be around people who do what you do and talk what you want to do and talk about what you want to do within everything and be able to watch concerts and see what you like and you don't like that's coming out or whatever. But mm-hmm. there, um, I'm going to be, I'm going to make it a point. I want you to allow me to be backstage while you're playing. So I want to, I want to watch from the side or whatever. And I just want to, I want to read you based on our conversations all the way up until that point, we still got a quite, quite a bit of time. We'll see what, what yeah. kind of hills and valleys you go through. I so. know, man. Cause I think it's going to be probably, <clears throat> I, I don't know what the fall is going to bring. I know I have a concerto that the date is not set yet. Uh, a new concerto premiere. And as far as like recitals go or any university visits, I have zero things on my calendar. Um, and I haven't started reaching out yet. I will start in the summer reaching out to people and, and, seeing like what's going to come about and yeah i mean it's be, being largely absent from social media for the last year plus i'm like did people forget about me like forget what i do and i don't know um, it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird uh thought to have but i don't think obviously they haven't but there's you are gonna have to work back into the algorithm like i'm having to you know like for sure the al- algorithm changes so much we talked about that last time and i'm still fighting it so i mean but after after we record i'll give you a contact for uh, for a clinic in the fall i think i think they would 
enjoy having you so that'd be cool yeah. yeah, just like start start to get a couple of things on the calendar. I think if I see a thing or two pop up on the calendar, I'll, I'll go, oh, okay. You know, like, that's great. And I would love to do my PASIC show. <clears throat> I would love to find a way to like do a couple dry runs of my PASIC show somewhere at some school. But the problem with that is there it's so gear intensive. And yeah. and I don't know yet. I have to open the artist agreement and see if – I don't think they're, they've talked about stages and venues and stuff yet for the concerts. But I remember in my application saying like, you have to give me one of the two big stages because I need three marimbas on stage, yeah. you know, and I need, I think two vibraphones and a whole slew of drums and accessories. Like, yeah, at a normal university, if I go to try to preview my concert and do that, there's no way they're going to fit all that on stage unless I'm in like their main hall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're in like <clears throat> performing arts main. Yeah. So I got to figure that out, but I would I want to be able to do some runs of it. I don't want Pasic to be the first time I do that show. No, that it can't way. be right. I mean, it, it's got to be like yeah. it's got to be either like rent out a church or something like that, or right, or try to try to go to like a local university, or even have to maybe fly somewhere and do it. Um, yeah, I mean, so we'll, we'll see. But that would yeah. be funny, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, see see how everything leads up to that moment. It'd be well documented. <laughs> yeah, there's so many, so many emotions, dude. Were you thinking about the email you were gonna write to somebody at PAS about canceling? Were you like thinking about how to word it and stuff no, like? That? I, do I don't that know all if the I. Time. I don't know. I think I probably was that night, but I can't remember like what I was thinking, like how I was gonna approach it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I just was feeling so out of out of love disenchanted by everything i was just gonna be like i just can't do this <laughs> yeah. yeah i'm uh <clears throat> dear pas but it's funny because it's like it's your it's like the dream that you have since you're a kid it's like i don't know for me it was like when i realized what i wanted to do it's like oh my god if i could play a showcase concert at PASIC, that would be like the bee's knees and then you get it and you're like okay it's like i haven't even done i haven't even done it yet but yeah. I was just so, so dark. Like, you're like, I could live without this. And you're like, no, man, you're going to burn a fat bridge if you yeah, do some dude. stupid shit like this. That's a, that's a, that's a big bridge to burn because, you know, you look at, you like go to all of these clinics and, and concerts and stuff. Like I went to Brian Mueller's in 2019 and he just mm -hmm. killed it. He did so well. And like, it was so inspiring. Like you, and the amount, I think the amount of notoriety that he gained from that concert alone because it, you know word spreads from mm. people watching him and stuff like that it was it was very it was very inspiring i think you're going to do the same for people i really do because it, i mean yeah. people are going to watch and they're going to remember it because it's going to be good and, and it's the same way like i told casey I, when i watched his yeah in 2015 i was like dude you you changed a lot for me like it was yeah it was that good you know so that's what I'm. That's what's in my head. You know, there's a couple concerts that I remember from from Pasic, not just the evening concerts. I mean, those are always good, but just the the things that you that you don't think can be as cool as they are, like Casey's concert or like Quay Percussion Duo. Yeah. When I saw them play, I was like, they didn't have any fancy lights or anything like that. They just went up there and played their fucking asses off. Friends of the and Pod, Gene and Tim. I out. could not. I that I don't know when that was. 18 or 19. One of those two years. I was just like, I can't believe that they just played like that, that consistently, and everything was so put together. And 
those are the moments for me at PASIC that are so inspiring. And, and I'm like, I feel like I could maybe be one of those moments for somebody, you know, in you a different be. way. Yeah. A, you know, Casey's got his thing. They, they had their thing, which was very unproduced, very just straight up music. And then I feel like mine in the electronic vein and all that kind of stuff and the performance type thing, maybe that could be something that inspires somebody. But I, think I don't once know. you get there, you sound check everything's running smoothly i think it'll just be a at that point it'll just be a breeze just like with everything else because the, pre, the preparation will be there there's no doubt about that you know there's i think the biggest thing the biggest thing about that is i think if people can approach that the wrong way they can look at it as like everybody knows everybody here does what i do so like may, they're they're gonna judge me consistently. You know what? There's gonna be people out there that do that because we've talked about it on this podcast before about percussive toxicity. Shout mm-hmm. out Tracy Wiggins on that term. But there is a there will be people like that. And who cares? I mean, like they're playing drums for the wrong reason. So yeah, there's definitely a different. I think they're gonna be a different. You're playing a, one of the most important basics in history. Yeah. You know, I mean, like there's there's gonna be so much relief. There's going to be a lot of people there, I think. There's going to be a lot of people there, more so than 19, because people are going to be wanting to go there, you know, like wanting to be around everybody like that. So it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. Yeah. that's. You said something before that. I'm trying to remember what it was. You said something that was very important. I lost it, man. Preparedness. Yeah. Sound check. Dang. It's one of those. One of those moments. Dang. I think you're right, though. Yeah, it is going to be. I never thought of it that way. One of the most important basics. Yeah, I think it, it it will end up being that for sure. I mean, there's yeah. there's a whole... be a lot of baggage people would be carrying, I think. I mean, a lot of people's careers have been affected. And, you know, it's... <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was about the people in the audience. Yeah, I think I've... I've come to terms with that now. Like already from playing PASIC or from doing the competition rather in 2017 and knowing that everybody in the audience was like, they knew all the rep that I was playing <laughs> mm-hmm. for the most part. I think I've come to terms too with the fact that, well, cause I'm not doing any crazy marimba stuff. So it's like, you're not going to be judging me in my interpretation of like uh, reflections on the nature of water. Cause like everything I'm going to play on the PASIC concerts, my own commission, I think. Yeah. I, 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 That's the way it should be. I still, I mean, I still have some diversity issues with my programming that I've got to like reconcile or figure out on my end, but I've kind of come to the conclusions, at least for now, as of mid-May, that it's going to be all my own commissions and I'm going to try to work that issue out, but the goal for the concert was my own commissions and it needs to be that for for this. So I've got to find a solution. Otherwise it's just percussion top 40. Yeah. You know, like it's... Um, but I don't think it's going to bother me so much that people are drummers out there. Cause I think, cause I think when you feel confident and you feel like what I'm doing is actually pretty cool, then it's like, if you judge me, that's fine. It doesn't have to be for you, but objectively, I hope that I perform it well, you know? So right. then there won't be arguments with that. It'll just be like, well, I'd hated that piece. And it's like, okay, you can hate that piece. But you I like it. Well, yeah. <laughs> I hate or despise that piece. And in fact, I think I despise him too. <laughs> It's fine. It's great. I played it well. <laughs> so, 
I don't mean to sound like too deep when I say it's going to be the most important PASIC ever or one of the most important PASICs ever, but it's definitely going to have a different vibe about it. It's going to be have, a, I think, a more feel-good energy around it. I hope. And I hope it does. It also yeah. could fall apart, too. So I don't Yeah. Know. I, there are some things I'm worried about with it, but I yeah, I think by and large it's going to be a really positive experience and people are going to be just like ready to see each other and, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, overall, I mean, I'm excited about going. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought about buying my badge yesterday, and it's mid-May, you know, so it's... It's cheap now, man. 60 bucks. 60 bucks. What the hell? I mean, that's crazy. I got to get my hotel soon. I want to... Yeah, I'll probably just book that right now. <laughs> hey, if you need somebody to split a hotel with you. Yeah, um, I'm down. Yeah. I'm down. Cause... I want to... It's cheaper, too, this year. Like, usually it's 206 a night at the nice ones. Yeah. And it's it's under 200 for sure, which is great. What a steal. Can you believe I'm saying that? Like, I know. For Indianapolis? <laughs> <laughs> I oh know. My God. It, I, was, I, I stayed in an Airbnb, and it was like 15 minutes away. So mm-hmm. I ended up spending the same amount in Ubers. So it's right. like, pick your poison. Yeah, I and like to be close. I like to, con- man, paying for convenience, there ain't nothing like it. Ain't nothing like <laughs> it, dude. I have no problem doing that. <laughs> no, me neither. Um, yeah, so I think the I think the theme of uh, this of this episode for everybody is uh, f those nerds. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we are those nerds. We are. Damn it! I know. Take a then I'm gonna get up and take a look in the mirror. So. <laughs> Um, oh man all right well cool good yeah. good talking to you man good episode yeah really good episode and um yeah that was like we caught up after three weeks of not doing an episode and uh i uh i'm really enjoying this series still and i i, I think you are as well so there's uh i think documenting this this almost like path to basic for you and this uh like this journey that we're both on that will take us into the summer and beyond will be uh, very interesting. I feel like there's, I feel like I'm going into these right now with nothing really to update. Um, (laughs) And so I'm hoping I have something to update on my end here soon. Um, There is one project that um, Southern Percussion got approached with, uh, approached by, approached to, I don't know that we are potentially going to be doing something pretty cool here soon, mm-hmm. which is exciting. So maybe I'll have an update for you on the, on offstage five, but, uh, like always, please subscribe, rate and review TRP on all major streaming platforms. You can follow me at Hartwell drums. You can follow cam at sea leech music, both of our websites, hartwelldrums.com, sealeachmusic.com. Um, be on the lookout for, uh, the YouTube stuff, I'm putting episodes up pretty consistently, um, getting the Instagram, Instagram going with some promo stuff, and uh, yeah, we're in a good place. I'm, I'm going to be coming out with regular episodes pretty soon, um, just ba- well, by the time you listen to this, they'll be out already. Uh, just taking some time to do some in-person ones and not be so Zoom-focused and remote-focused, uh, just based on the circumstances we're going into, which is hopefully some streak of normalcy. So, uh, 
any closing words on your end, Mr. Leach? I'm good, man. He's we all good. It. He's uh, he's in a good spot now. We covered the darkness. We did. <laughs> we covered the darkness and the light. Yeah, right. So, remember, F those nerds, and that's it for this one. We'll see you next time. <laughs>